0: follow leslie on twitter just go to www.twitter.com slash leslie marshall and we'll be sure to share your tweets
1: Joining us in this hour is David Cooper. David's a senior economic analyst at the Economic Policy Institute, the EPI. They're a nonprofit, nonpartisan think tank created back in 1986, and they were created to include the needs of low- and middle-income workers in economic policy discussions. Now, David conducts both national and state-level research, where they focus on the minimum wage, wage theft, employment and unemployment, Poverty and Wage and Income Trends, and as the Deputy Director, he also coordinates and provides technical support to the Economic Analysis and Research Network, (EARN). E-A-R-N, a a national network of over 60 state-level policy research and advocacy organizations. More than a pleasure to have David with us. David, good afternoon and welcome. Happy Friday. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thanks, Leslie. It's great to be here.
1: We um, constantly uh, have been hearing, and we know that phrase James Carville uh, came up with when uh, he was running Clinton's campaign, it's the economy, stupid. And uh, there are a lot of people on the left that have been concerned about how well the economy's been doing. But then when you actually look, has the economy been doing that well? Well, Donald Trump, our president likes to tell us it has, and we don't need to see the market fall because of a virus that we can't seem to contain. But uh, analysis, a new analysis of government data shows that actually since Donald J. Trump took office, inflation adjusted income growth. Has slowed significantly across the United States. David, first, is this true? And 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 second, tell us more about this, and and how come that's not what we're hearing?
0: Yeah. I, so the the short answer is yes, it is true. Um, you know, Trump likes to talk about how great the economy is is functioning, but I think it's really only functioning super well for those who, for a particular portion of the population, namely the very wealthy. Um, When we look at the government data, and this is data from the U.S. Census Bureau, and we look at growth in median household income, so the household income of the typical U.S. family, um, in the last two years of the Obama administration, household incomes were rising by about five and a half percent, so that's pretty good. But in the first two years of the Trump presidency, so looking at incomes in 2018 relative to 2016, that last year of, of Obama's uh, presidency, household incomes grew only 2.4%. So growth has slowed down considerably uh, in the Trump presidency for the typical household relative to folks during the Obama years. And I, and I should say, you know... Um, Household incomes are still growing, so that's good, and that's you know largely a function of the fact that the economy has continued to grow. It's continued to stay sort of on the same trend that it was on uh, coming out of the Obama years, but the the problem is that even though incomes are still growing, prices are starting to rise a lot more significantly than they were in, in the Obama administration, in the Obama years. And so now, even though Households may be taking in a little more income, paychecks may be rising a little bit it 's not going as far because prices are starting to pick up faster than incomes are growing
1: it, it, When we look at um, growth out of the fifty states, only two um, uh, you know states saw an increase that means forty eight saw a decline in growth. And that's a real median household income Uh, that's under the president. And that is in states that he needs and actually that helped take him over the finish line of 2016 into the White House. Um, Those uh, those some of those Rust Belt states, but certainly swing states, very essential in a general election upcoming November 2020. Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan and Florida, four states widely regarded as the key electoral battlegrounds one, if not all four together, determine the 2020 presidential election. Uh, What does that mean, not just for Trump, uh, but for Republicans? And what does that also mean for the people in those states, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan? You have a lot of union workers, blue collar union workers in those states as well.
0: Yeah, Yeah, well, it it means that, um, you know, you've got a lot of broken promises for those folks, people who may have thought that uh, this president was going to uh do something to help them when the reality is the only people that he's really done anything to help uh have been the well off i mean you look at his signature policy achievement and this is you know the president um, in collaboration with his his republican colleagues on the hill you know the one thing that they've gotten done has been a tax cut for the wealthy, um, a tax cut that every objective analysis has said delivered virtually no benefits for the vast majority of American households. You know there are so many things that um, this president, Congress could have done to try and speed up income growth, to try and speed up wage growth. Things like um, boost, you know, passing some sort of infrastructure bill or expanding, uh, you know, healthcare uh, coverage you know, like passing the Medicaid, forcing the Medicaid expansion or advancing Absolutely. the Medicaid expansion. Absolutely. David,
1: I hate to interrupt you. Hold that thought. We're going to come back and get your answer uh, on that, That I had to cut you off there. We're up against a hard break. Back with David Cooper, Senior Economic Analyst at the Economic Policy Institute. I'm Leslie Marshall. Back in a moment. Leslie Marshall. Real people. Real life. Real talk. Give her a call now at 888-6LESLEY. Senior Economic Analyst at the Economic Policy Institute. And like I said, uh, as the deputy director, he coordinates and provides technical support to the Economic Analysis and Research Network, EARN, a national network of over 60 state-level policy research and advocacy organizations. David, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Apologies for uh, cutting you off there. Uh, we were talking about Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Florida. Uh, we were talking about what that means to Donald Trump, Republicans the election, but also what that means to workers. And I pointed out that there are a lot of blue-collar union workers in those states. Please continue Continue what you were saying. Again, my apologies for cutting you off there.
0: Oh, it's no problem. Yeah, I, I was just saying that, you know, these are folks who, are, in some cases, Put a lot of hopes in uh, this president to try and do something for them, because the 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 truth is, you know, wages and incomes for a lot of these folks have been flat for decades, um, and there've only been a handful of periods where they've seen any strong growth. So, you know, we had this president who was campaigning on promises of of uh, you know, jolting manufacturing and bringing jobs back and getting incomes and wages rising. And, in fact, the reality has been we haven't seen anything – we haven't seen any of that. We've seen income growth slowing. We've seen wage growth that's been uh, far below what we would expect given the current state in the labor market. It's, as I said before, it's just really a missed opportunity to try and do something for folks who desperately uh, need help.
1: When we talk about the majority of the country, that working class, those middle-income or middle-class workers, uh, and you talk about the rate of growth, it was 2.7 from 2016 through 2018. And so people understand the comparison. There was 5.8 percent growth from 2014 to 2016 when accounting for inflation. So when Donald Trump makes it sound like the economy is so great and has gotten better since he's been president and how bad it was under Barack Obama – the numbers prove that to be a lie as well correct
0: yeah that's right i mean growth just has, has slowed down under this president and as i said before you know in part that's a that's a function of the fact that prices have been rising more quickly than they did previously but again you know what matters to folks in terms of their welfare their well-being is whether they can afford to pay their bills and the the what the numbers show is that under this president, in all but two states across the country, uh, you know, people's ability to pay their bills is getting, is, is getting harder, has gotten harder over the last two years than it, it was in the last two years of the Obama presidency.
1: And this is what Thea Lee, you know very well, president of uh, the EPI, where you work. Despite what we heard at the State of the Union, the truth is that the economy is not performing well for most Americans. At this point in the business cycle, wage and income growth for working households should be accelerating, not slowing. Look, David, this is – plain as the nose on my face. This is numbers. Two plus two equals four. There's no disputing that. Why isn't there the pushback? And why aren't Democrats using this to help themselves in political campaigns when we have a very contentious election uh, and a very divided nation uh, with this election coming up in November 2020? Uh, and obviously, um, you know, a, both a House and Senate at risk, perhaps.
0: Well, I think they need to start pointing to these numbers more. And I think in some of the states that you mentioned, um, if they were to look at the numbers for their states in particular, they would see that, you know, things are not as rosy uh, as the as the president is making them out to be. And these are areas, these are things that we can point to to show this disconnect between the president's rhetoric and the economic reality for the vast majority uh, of American households. That being said, there have been some improvements in places. Um, a number of states have seen incomes rise for certain portions of the population including including some low income folks. Um, but in many cases, those aren't the result of anything that this president has done. It's the result of um, the fact that the economy has continued to get better. It's continued on that same trend that started in the Obama years. And we've had some state policymakers doing the right thing and taking action, things like raising minimum wages, strengthening overtime protections, doing things that actually do help working people, as opposed to you know what this president has done, as I said, which is simply just giving tax cuts to rich people.
1: These new findings uh, from EPI, where you're from, David, and Capital Maine, uh, this analysis um, comes from uh, recent U.S. Census data. It's definitely a stark departure from the president's characterization of how well middle-class Americans are faring uh, as we head into the thick of primary season. And I mentioned the State of the Union. He declared his economy to, quote, be the best it ever has been. But let's break down how wrong that is. And like you said, look, there, is, there are some good points, but sadly, the bad outweighs the good. And people need to be aware of the facts, especially before they cast their vote for such an important election and so, such an essential position as leader of our nation. Among the 10 states where the 2016 margin of victory for either Trump or Hillary Clinton was less than four percentage points, nine have experienced a drop in the growth of household income, nine out of 10 states. Uh, talk to us about that, how that occurred, what does that mean, and is any of that because of this legislation Republicans passed that clearly benefits the rich, even though they tried to convince the middle class it would benefit them?
0: Well, the, I mean, the, again, the numbers don't lie. As you said, nine of ten, nine out of 10 of these states have seen household income growth slow down. Um, and I think what's what's really critical... For folks to understand here is that at this point where we are in the business cycle, when you have an economy that has been growing for over 10 years, um, as Thea pointed out, the last thing we would expect to see is income growth slowing down. We would we would think that given how strong the labor market is given the fact that generally speaking uh, it's easier to find a job today than it was uh, ten years ago um, you know wages should be rising and household incomes should be rising as well but the, unfortunately um, as a, as I've been saying you know wages are going up and pri- and uh, ha- household incomes are going up but we've got this growth in prices as well that's keeping folks from really benefiting from what meager increases they are seeing in their paychecks and in their household incomes. Um, You know, it's also the case that even though the economy has gotten better and the labor market has gotten better, that could just mean some of this income growth that we're seeing could also just be folks working more hours. at wages that really aren't rising that much. So, you know, you think about what, what goes into household income, it's, uh, it's the combination of, of hourly pay and the number of hours that you get. So it could be that people are working, are seeing their household incomes go up simply because they're putting in more time on the job. And, you know, that, that may be good because it helps folks pay their bills, but it isn't necessarily an improvement in their quality of life if they're having to spend all these additional hours at the office.
1: Absolutely. Quick break. We'll be back with David Cooper from the Economic Policy Institute, the EPI. On Twitter, follow David at MetaCoop, M E T A C O O P, and follow EPI at Economic Policy. The website for the EPI is epi.org. Quick break. Back to David. Back to you. More talk about the economy and reality when you look at the numbers right after this. I'm Leslie Marshall. We're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. We're talking with David Cooper from the EPI, the Economic Policy Institute, where he is a senior economic analyst. We are talking about the economy. We're talking about facts, not fiction. And we are talking about real uh, numbers. Um, And also, when we look at numbers, we have to look at uh, elections as well. Um, We were talking about the drop of, of uh, growth in household income. Uh, let's talk more. Uh, David, thank you for holding. Welcome back. 2016, between those years of 2016 and 2018, that two-year period, real median household income declined in six states and D.C. Um, and during the 2014 to 2016 Obama expansion, median household income declined in one state, uh, and I say that because this is going to be essential. If Joe Biden ends up being the Democratic nominee, he was Vice President uh, under Barack Obama, uh, or alongside Barack Obama. He agreed with Barack Obama nearly a hundred percent. And of course, Obama's been attacked by Trump and will be attacked even more. And what happened during the Obama years? But again, painting the picture that because look, you know, I'm a Fox News contributor. I'm one of the few liberals on Fox. And there really is a belief among uh, conservatives that the economy was in, you know, the gutter during the Obama years. Things were so terrible during the Obama years. What? And I, I First of all, I didn't feel that. I don't feel that Americans felt that. And the numbers just don't show that to be true. Yet it seems to be something that Republican voters believe and Democrat and Democratic voters and candidates don't uh, argue against strongly enough, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think. I think that during the early years of the Obama administration, obviously he came into office at you know at the in the depths of the Great Recession, so it's going to take a little while for things to get better. And I think you know even liberals would look back on the Obama years and and say that we we wish that growth had been stronger than it was during the recovery. Uh, and I, you know I think that. Folks can can reasonably criticize, uh, you know, things like the size of the stimulus package. Was it large enough to accelerate growth the way that was really required? You know, could the Federal Reserve have done more to try and boost growth? All of these things are legitimate criticisms. But if you look at the numbers, the end of the Obama period, Things were starting to get pretty good. You know, income growth was was picking up, job growth was picking up, wage growth was picking up, um, and as this analysis shows, those last two years of the Obama presidency, we we just saw income growth that was really starting to uh, get to levels that that translated into tangible improvements in people's lives. I mean, as we've been saying, five point eight percent growth in those last two years—that's a pretty substantial change in people's welfare over a two-year period. Whereas in the last two years, we've seen that growth slow down. So folks now uh, aren't benefiting from um, policies or really lack of policies uh, that would have done anything to help the middle class.
1: When we look at uh, numbers, and we also have to look at when you're coming up to an election, you know, breakdown among states. Are they red states? Are they blue states? Were they Mm pro-Trump states? The decline in real median household income occurred in mostly red states, Alaska, West Virginia, South Dakota, Wyoming – also in New Mexico, that's considered a long shot for Trump, and also in Connecticut, which is a, a blue state. Does that matter?
0: Well, you know, I, I, I analyze the economy. I, I'm I'm not going to make big predictions about how this is going to affect electoral electoral uh, impacts, but. You know, I think the truth is you can look, you can put any of these states um, simply because we've had either declines in real income or slower growth in 48 out of 50. You know, in every single state, it's a letdown for folks. Um, You know, there are other periods we can point to, like the period in the late 1990s from 1996 to 2001, which was really the only other period in the last 40 years where we've had uh, a labor market as strong as the current one, Um, And at that time, household incomes and wages were growing much, much faster than they are today. So, I mean, that's another example, something we can point to and say, um, you know, if things were as great as Trump was claiming, why aren't we seeing the income growth? Why aren't we seeing the wage growth that we had the last time the economy and and the labor market uh, was as good as as it is now? I mean, that is another disappointment for folks.
1: You uh, clearly, like you said, you're, you know, you talk. Uh, you're an economist. You talk economy. So let's stay on the economy and out of the politics, because left or right, presidents uh, claim too much credit and sometimes even take too much blame, depending who's doing the finger pointing with regard to the economy. Is it true that even if we had no president, the uh, economy, the stock market would go up and down because a, a lot of what we experience is based based on the international market? Is that correct? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's right. The international market and and what policies are being made by folks at the Federal Reserve. I mean, that's another big uh, piece of this. The, the president's ability to affect the economy is is pretty limited unless they are uh, spearheading legislation to try and help folks. And that's something that, that this president has not done.
1: Uh, when we look at um, what economists say, Mark Muro, who's the senior fellow at the Brookings Institute's Metropolitan Policy Project, said – when he talks about not politics but decisions that you know legislation that could be passed or made that would make a difference, he said, "quote An infrastructure bill would clearly have had a marked impact, especially on middle level jobs." Uh, he said, "Manufacturing is going in the wrong direction. I think there are all kinds of policy opportunities that have not been exploited." Do you agree with that? An infrastructure bill perhaps would have had a marked impact on those middle level jobs.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, one of the one of the main things you can do to try and boost uh, growth in quality jobs uh, is infrastructure, because it puts it puts people to work building roads, bridges, fixing schools. Construction is a good job; it pays well. So, the more of those jobs you can create. Uh, the more it's going to lift middle incomes and those folks are then going to go out and spend those dollars and that boosts jobs across all sectors. Um, and so yeah, I absolutely agree with Mark. And I think that, you know, what we're seeing in manufacturing, as he mentions a potential slowdown, there certainly are warning signs uh, that we're seeing in the data. And I think everything that's happening right now with the coronavirus is only going to exacerbate that. Uh,
1: yeah, a uh, very good point. Um, you know, Additional warning signs uh, for 2020. Uh, what do you see as additional warning signs, uh, you know, for, for this year? Uh, manufacturing uh, recession? Um, is, uh, you know, the lingering effects of the trade war both playing in in addition to uh, coronavirus?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think all those things are going to be major factors. I don't think anyone knows how long um, this coronavirus slowdown is, is going to is going to take. We don't know how long it's going to take for, um, you know, the virus to run its course and, and, you know, hopefully everyone to to be done with it. But it's gone on for long enough now that, uh, you know, there's going to be huge uh, declines in the, the supplies, the goods that are being provided to to manufacturers simply because so much of um, so much of their inputs are coming from China. We outsourced so many jobs to China over the last thirty years. Um, but the other thing is you know the u s is a service sector economy, and so a lot of it relies on people going out interacting with other people uh, and if folks are are sick or afraid to go out because of the illness that's that 's going to mean slowdown in things like uh, retail and the service sector where you know restaurants you name it any place where you need to interact with another human being in order to uh, to conduct economic activity is, is an area that's going to be subject to potential loss in business as a result of this virus and I, and again depending upon how long it, it lasts um, you know it could seriously hurt growth this year and could could put us in a very different place uh, come elect, come November come the election.
1: Yeah, because something that we don't think about, it's not just the virus. Um, It's not even just a test or medication or ingredients for medication and tests that we can get from China. We're looking at factories, right? Things that we have made at factories. And we're also looking at consumerism going both ways. Can you speak to that?
0: no i mean you you're right, you're right on i mean this is a lot of we have a lot of american factories where even though there may be strong demand right now in in some of these sectors for things like cars and what have you if they can't get the input it's if they can't get those intermediate parts that they need that a lot of which come out of china because the chinese factories are all closed then it's going to mean that you know factory workers might see some of their shifts getting cut you know they may there there may not be uh, a need for as many hours for so many of them and then and then that has ripple effects you know if those folks uh are not getting the hours that they're used to maybe they cut back on their spending they're going out to eat less uh you know they're they're not spending on things that they would have normally spent on any sort of discretionary spending and then folks at restaurants and stores aren't seeing business so they start to see their hours cuts i mean all of these things ripple throughout the economy and and unfortunately Um, You know, as I said, the U.S. in some ways is particularly susceptible to this because so much of our economy is is service sector jobs, is is jobs that require interactions with other human beings. And um, the more folks are forced to stay home and not go out and spend, you know, that's only going to lead to further slowdowns.
1: And like you said, wages for the median worker have not been rising as fast as hoped. So there is a disconnect between what's being put out in the messaging by politicians, especially the president and those on the right, uh, versus the reality and what the hard numbers show, uh, especially when it comes to wages for the median worker. Right?
0: That's right. I mean, me- median wage growth has been pretty tepid uh, for a while now. And in fact, the only the only segment of the workforce where uh, wages are, have, have risen pretty substantially over the last few years has been at the low end of the workforce and the, around the the tenth percentile, we would say, the low wages. Um, But that's been primarily in states where policymakers raised the state minimum wage. So they took action to do things to help folks Um, across the rest of the wage distribution. Growth has been pretty mild. You know, folks aren't seeing the kinds of increases in their paychecks that we would expect, given where the labor market is at today.
1: Uh, Last minute, I would like to give you the opportunity to leave our listeners with what you really want to impress upon them in this last 60 seconds.
0: Well, I, I think the the most important thing to, to remember is that every time you hear the president or congressional Republican say that the this is the best economy ever, uh, you have to remember that it the this economy is really only working for a small sliver of the economy, and that and that's the wealthy. And we see it in any metric we look at. Um, wages for ordinary folks are not rising very fast. Household income growth is slowing down. Um, you know, take all of these statements with a a giant grain of salt, because once you dig into the numbers, uh, the picture is not nearly as rosy as it's being made out to be.
1: David, thank you so much. Our guest has been David Cooper, Senior Economic Analyst at the Economic Policy Institute. Follow him on Twitter at MetaCoop, M-E-T-A-C-U-O-O-P. The EBI, follow them at Economic Policy, and their website is epi.org.